Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Clark, joined, as always, by Barnabas Piper. And Pipe, we are sans Ronald J. Martin today, uh, which is a sad and thing. And he's not even traveling. He's not even traveling. He's not, he's not living the glam life this time. I'm sad for him in part because of the flu, but I know what's really hurting him now is that he's at home and not traveling. So That's uh, right. He's not at a Hyatt place somewhere. He's not at a Hyatt place. He's not in Louisville, you know, so I think they're... We got a couple of weeks of cushion here between Sojourn conferences. So, um, and I, I think if if Ronnie being out with the flu teaches us anything, it's that it's that he's no Michael Jordan because uh, this could have been his flu game, and instead he, he 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 called out sick. Yeah, and for those of you who hate sports and wish we would never talk about it on the program, that's in reference to a game that Michael Jordan played when he had the flu and scored how many points? Pipe? It was a, it was a virtuoso performance. I know that it was. I want to say it was in the 50s, wasn't it? I think it was in the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Just one of those quintessential Michael Jordan games. Yeah, I don't remember the specific stat line of that one. I just know that, you know, it was one of those ones where, like, he was getting IVs and puking during timeouts and stuff like this. Unbelievable. And... And uh, and then came out, and so like this this could have been Ronnie's game. Like we could have had to mute him while he retched into a garbage <laughs> can, and then came back to make his salient. I don't know, man. Yeah, points. yeah, exactly, and, uh, exactly. And instead, and instead, he's he's laid up sipping on Pedialyte. But it would have been a called. very hipster garbage can, kind of a repurposed yes. sheet metal minimalist garbage can. See, I would I would have gone with like a like a, a mini bourbon barrel or something ooh, with. Ooh, I like it with a. Uh, with the biodegradable uh, trash can liner in it. That's it. Because if you're a hipster, you can't just toss your your trash into a standard plastic bin. It's got to be. Yeah, no no glad bags for history. No, hipsters. no glad bags. Absolutely. Pipe, was that flu game? That was against the Jazz, right? You know what? I'm, I feel like a terrible sports fan. I'm about to look it up. Dude, look it up. Look it up. We got to get this right. So pardon my typing. Michael Jordan flu game. This is great audio. Absolutely. The yep. reason I ask, we were, uh, I was having a 97 NBA finals. Okay. Yeah. I was having a talk with a friend about the, the life cycle of Utah's uniform over the years. And we were remarking on the fact that that era's uniform, the kind of late nineties, like Jordan, you know, Malone Stockton, you know, that era uniform was the worst jazz uniform because it had that weird, like, it was like purple and it had like the mountains on it. Yeah, it was purple. It had the little like outline of the mountain range on it. It was a mess. It was so bad. That was, that was the era. That was the era when like purple and teal were all the rage because oh, yeah. Utah went purple. There was the uh, there was the Charlotte Hornets with the purple and teal. Um, yep. In baseball, there was the Marlins with the teal and the Rockies, the Rockies with the had purple. purple. Yeah, and uh, yeah, everybody went purple and teal, and it, it those are. I mean, I'm a Vikings fan, and I'll just go ahead and say it. Purple is a terrible uniform color. Yeah, it's it's just kind and of teal is worse. Oh, teal, yeah, teal's far worse. Absolutely, absolutely. But pipe, we are we are treading on some dangerous ground here. In that we That's, we're getting a little sporty. We we're getting a little sporty. We've probably already lost listeners who are just stick with us. We're moving away from sports, listeners. Hang. We in are. There. We're moving right away from it, and we're moving into uh, a hot cup of Ligaris Roasters coffee. If you haven't done so. Uh, visit happyrantpodcast.com, grab a bag of Ligaris Roasters coffee. Um, Ligaris Roasters is growing its empire. Uh, Pipe, I don't know if I mentioned this on the program last week, but Ligaris is in uh, our hipster grocery store here in the Jackson area. It's called Grubs. And Ligaris Roasters coffee, Happy Rant Signature Blend is now available in Grubs grocery store here in Jackson. So 
Uh, I, wonder, be- I wonder when we can get Happy Rant mugs from Missional Wear next to it. So it can be like the holiday gift package. You know how they, they'll do those packages that are nicely cellophane wrapped with the, uh, Dude, with the yeah. coffee inside the mug? That's what we need at Grubs. Yes, bro. I don't feel like we made it until we're wrapped in cellophane. You know what I mean? There needs to be some cellophane involved in our yeah, in and ribbons. coffee release. Um, so and I know that Ronnie would be excited about this because it's a, it's a holiday-themed idea. That's right. And you know what could go in that gift basket pipe? Uh, Ronnie's holiday novel, The Christmas Sweater. So I don't know if the release of, of that book is going to sync up perfectly with uh, with this gift basket cellophane situation that we've got in the works, but I would love to see a, a copy of The Christmas Sweater in there as well. Well, that's something for us to aspire to for uh, for Christmas season 2018. That's right. That's right. But Pipe, I aspire to getting through these three unique topics this morning. And I want to start with one that you uh, put in front of us last week. You seemed a little worked up. I don't know. I don't know you so well enough that I know your like your your text proclivities and and that I can interpret your like nonverbals through the through the text. But uh, you brought up this idea of how complementarian men always sound like jerks when they talk about women. And mm-hmm. um, I when you when you first test when you first texted that over, I laughed. But then I realized, wait a minute, I'm a white middle-aged complementarian man. So I probably can't say anything right about women either. So uh, talk about like, talk about the headspace you were in when you, when you floated these texts out to, to Ron and myself. Well, and given, given last week's episode and our constant need for disclaimers, I'm going to go ahead and say this. (laughs) Uh, We are walking on very thin ice. And so whenever we fall through, that's okay. We'll just drown. Like we're just, we're just going for it on this one because as to, uh, white evangelical males who come from complementarian backgrounds. Um, we Everything in the world we is can, our fault. We can do no right when it comes to this Absolutely. topic. So here we go. Absolutely. The headspace I was in was spending a fair amount of time reading up on the allegations against Judge Roy Moore and, and then the Harvey Weinstein thing and just this, this rash of <laughs> – of revelations about uh, sexual abuse, mostly of women, although in some cases of, of boys as well. And then seeing the, the conservative complementarian church leaders responses to that, which I believe were done with the right spirit of upholding truth and morality and defending women from, uh, from the scum who would abuse them. Mm. However, when these church leaders talk about women, it comes off so condescending. And so it's not demeaning like name calling. It's demeaning like, like making women little and worthless and sound very weak. At least that's how it comes off to me. Now, give me an example pipe and you don't have to name names of, of what guy said, what thing, like give me an example of this type of statement. Uh, things like women are unique and precious and to be defended. And I teach my sons this regularly. I saw quotes like that. And and again, the spirit of that is teach your boys to respect women with which I wholeheartedly agree, especially because I'm raising two young women. So you better raise your sons to respect them because I'm going to raise them to tell your sons to respect them. Absolutely. But yeah, when you say it that way, when not you, when somebody says it yeah, that way, yeah. it sounds like 
like women are these little fragile beings who have no backbone and no mm-hmm. will and no capacity to stand up for themselves or accomplish things aside from the the grand support and defense of of the the knight in shining armor or something dude yeah you're so right it's almost like yeah in that rhetoric it's almost like women exist just to be defended and um I, I don't know what these guys are talking about when they talk like that to be honest it sounds so so sort of victorian to me you know we're very victorian so so I'm 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 watching a show on Netflix right now called Turn and it is a it's about uh Revolutionary War era America. And Dude, so I've seen Turn. Turn is dope. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good show. I'm I'm maybe just a couple episodes into season 2. But the, one of the interesting dynamics is watching the upper crust ladies in New York and and Philadelphia who are trying to mimic, you know, British culture and how sort of like the Victorian they they are essentially decorations that's what women were they were decorations who played hard to get at least as as depicted in this show so very little intellect very little will no say in any matters and then you know and of course the the heroines of the show are the ones who break outside that mold and are fiercely independent and strong yeah but i kind of feel like the complementarian language and i don't know that it's the intent i don't want to disparage people's sure, hearts sure. behind things because i don't know that but the language seems to depict women like that they yeah. are essentially wallflowers meant to to be attractive and to raise kids and to be defended and as opposed to like you know all of all of the the dynamic complete human beings that they are with the ability to to yeah. speak up for themselves and that's not to say that that men should not defend women because there is a there's a clear power dynamic where in America men hold a huge amount of power yeah yeah but that should sure. be in pursuit of sort of rightness and justice not in sort of this this coddling precious thing that that seems to be depicted yeah it's funny man and i think most of the guys who talk that way they do they do actually think that way. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like, oops, I just said it wrong. It, it's that that's kind of how they roll. And I think that's how they think of their wives and their families. And maybe they're just married to dif- different kinds of women. Um, I'm very, I'm married to a very strong woman um, who's always been very strong. And, and my wife knows that, I mean, if push came to shove, I would, I would kill for her and I would die for her. But I've never been tempted to make that kind of demure China doll sort of statement about her because that's not how I see her, you know? Yeah, and Mike, um, having met her a couple of times, I, I'm kind of, I would guess that there are times you might have to hold her back. Oh, most definitely. You know, as opposed to like, hold on, I've got this, honey. You go yeah. over there and sniffle in the corner. It's more like, hey, don't cut him. Yeah. Or at least don't cut him too deep. Don't like, cut yes, him, yeah. Jerk, One of my favorite KK moments on. was, I had written a column here in Jackson a couple of years ago that made this entire small town mad at me because of something that I said. And, um, and we were at a basketball game and all these people were coming at me from this town and KK just like flew into the middle of that melee and started like, you know, throwing down with these people. And I'm like, Whoa, baby, you know, back off. Terribly unVictorian, terribly unVictorian of her, but, but also awesome at the same time. So yeah, I know what you mean, Pipe. And maybe, do you think there's a sense of, for for this type of complementarian man, maybe like, yeah, least said, best said, like, we, we don't really need a statement from you. 
you know, just treat your, treat, treat your people well, you know, treat women in your wife, in, in your life well, and treat men in your life well, for that matter. I, I don't know. I don't know that another statement is needed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it seems, I mean, it's, it is a little bit of a, you know, uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing, because if you right. say nothing about it, the critics will say, you know, that they will point out that flaw. And for sure. You know, that's there's there's some there's some fairness in that. Yeah. But I do think that there's it's indicative of what happens when I mean, you see the same things in racial conversations when there's a when there's a power differential. And Mm -hmm. so there's one group, again, white males, for the most part, who hold who hold the cards and they're trying to speak into Mm -hmm. the this this gap. Um, But the language is often very trite. I mean, the way that complementarians talk about women echoes of the idea of separate but equal that was put forth about the races Mm -hmm. in decades past. Uh, It's not the same. I'm not drawing a a one-to-one comparison, but there is sort of a, you know, that whole like equal, what is it? What is it? uh, Equal but different or whatever the the language is. Separate but equal is real close to that. And, Mm -hmm. And what that was was simply a veiled way to, to keep minorities apart and i don't think that's the same intent with with gender but the dynamics are the same and so yeah i think a lot of times i think what needs to be what needs to be upheld is more just general justice rightness fairness applied equally to both genders all races and that's so like in my in my workplace i this is something that i've read about and thought about and talked to others about um, in, in terms of how to work well with women. And I don't, I have no idea if I'm doing a good job or not, but my intent is to treat a woman exactly like I would treat a man. Yeah. Because, because that's fair. Right. So not, not to try to, not to try to grant them favor because they're women and say, Oh, you know, I know you've been mistreated. So we're going to do this. It's just, no, we're going to, we're going to treat your ideas the same. We're going to treat your skills the same. We're going to treat your merits the same. I think the same should be true in almost every circumstance. And because justice is is justice. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's wise. And do you think Pipe at some level, it's an attempt on behalf of some of these complementarian men to to paint their life in a more kind of romantic way than it actually is? I mean, I, I think we all probably at the end of the day would like to think of ourselves somewhat as knights in shining armor, but to, to a certain degree, like that's just not how life is. I mean, I look at a lot of these like complimentarian wives and they just seem really tired because they're, you know, raising eight kids basically on their own. And yeah, I don't know that it doesn't look from, from, from the outsider's perspective, it doesn't look super romantic. So maybe it's, maybe it's uh, rhetorically along the lines of, you know, Hey, feel feel better about this thing that we're both in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think there's also I think there's that. I think there's I think there's just a blind spot to it. Yeah. Where again, I think I think the the men who I'm thinking of, for the most part, I don't know all of them, mm-hmm. um, don't view women as less. Yeah, but their words sound like they do. Sure. And so there's just a blind spot. Like, do you know how you come across when you say stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's and I, my guess is that they're just so steeped in the culture of this thing that they don't see it. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just a blind spot. And and so it's uh yeah, I don't know. It 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 was something that at the time we were texting, I was rather heated about. Did you were you were worked um, up, man. You were worked up. <laughs> there may have been some name calling involved and, <laughs> and uh, there may have been some things is, that we've sanitized it, for the air because that's right. we're radio well, pros. 
it, two, two good things happened. One, I'm thankful that there were text messages because that's where you can say things that you can't say in any other context. And two, yeah. uh, I had several days to, to cool off a little bit and sound a little bit more level-headed. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I hope, indeed. I, hope I sound a little bit more level-headed. Uh, most definitely, Pipe, most definitely. And I, I want to take this from the serious to a little bit, a, a little bit more of a ha-ha topic. So we had a listener suggest uh, that we play the game, which is worse. And they suggested several topics. You kicked in a few topics. So I want to run you down this list, Pipe, and I want you to say which is worse um, when I give you a choice between two things, okay? All right. All right. The first one, and, and I think we're going to have a lot to say about this one, and it's, it's going to be a tough choice. Which is worse, Pipe? Pompous reform dudes or self-righteous progressive folks? Oh, um which is worse so dudes who know what's best for everyone theologically versus dudes who know what's best for everyone socially and politically these are like the yin and the yang and it's it's one one cannot exist without the other one is the is the counterbalance to the other so dude and to be fair one is great for business for the other you know what i mean these two both both thrive on the other's idiocy Oh, incredible. It's, a, it's such great energy. Um, so, Pipe, which is worse? If you had to choose pompous reform dudes or self-righteous progressives, who, who would be worse? Well, this is choosing between the, the temptation to, you know, to shoot. Everybody gets most frustrated at their own family, you know, mm. they, because you, you know their flaws. Like, I know the reformed flaws better than I know anything else. And so it's easy yeah. to there's a temptation to be like, well, those are the worst because they drive me nuts on a regular basis. The other side is, you know, the quote unquote enemy. And so that's, there's the temptation there to sort of, to, to, to point a finger at them. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and say that the pompous reform dudes are worse. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Be- because, and I'm, I'm very willing to be swayed on this, but sure. here's my, here's my rationale. Uh, the attitude, the, the pompous aspect of, of what, of how they come across undermines the message completely, mm. you know? So it, mm. it's, it's a, cause they're talking about grace and theology and scripture and all of these things while being a jackass. Uh-huh. And so it, that, that's incongruous. Uh-huh. And I think if they would be humble uh-huh. and open-minded, mm-hmm it would take away a lot of these sort of self-righteousness and aggression on the other side. I don't know that it would bring anybody closer to agreement, but it would at least bring people closer to civility. So mm. I'm going to say that the reformed, the pompous reformed dude is worse uh, in just big picture. Interesting. What, See, what's your take the way, Pipe? I think yeah? I, maybe because I live and work in higher ed, I've made my peace with pompous bloviating. I mean, it's the kind of thing you have to, if you're kind of going to make your living in higher ed, you, you got to make your peace with that. So I don't know if it's one of those things where I've just grown so accustomed to it. You know what I mean? I can almost not recognize it anymore when it's happening. So I think there's there's a level of distastefulness in self-righteous progressives in, in, in the sense that I think they're really riding the guilt train more than... I mean, reform dudes are just like, I'm right. Let me tell you how I'm right. But I think with the the progressive deal, it's sort of, you know, 
look at all the amazing things I'm doing to make the world a better place. And don't you feel horrible for not doing those things? You know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. And and so there's, there's, I guess I'm impervious to that because uh, maybe I lack a conscience. I don't know, but it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't sort of dent my spirit when I, they say that I'm just like, (laughs) good, good for you. Nice dreadlocks. Interesting. Interesting. Yes, I do. I, there was a time pipe and this is, this is maybe a lot of vulnerability. And and I want to hear this from you. Was there ever a time and let's go, let's go as far back as we need to. So like going back into undergrad, freshman year, whatever. Was there ever a time when you seriously wanted to be white guy with dreads, social justice guy, and have that as your persona? Because I'm going to be honest with you. There was a short time where I thought I could be that guy. And apologies to everyone in my life during that time, because I'm sure I was insufferable. But I, I want to know if you had a similar time. Uh, yes and no. Yes to the, the social justice aspect, but I always sneered at that look. I never understood why when somebody moved from sort of, uh, upper crust, uh, evangelicalism into the social justice space, the sort of justification by poverty side of things, why they they ended up looking like they were trying to be a white Bob Marley. I never got it. (laughs) I'm like, why do you have to smell bad? To, mm. to care about the poor. But in my attitude, definitely. Like it was, it was a, you're a holier if you live in the hood. You yeah. are, you know, that, that whole thing. And that, I mean, that's something that I still, I'd say that there, there's a thread that still, that I'm still attached there, which might be why I have some empathy for the, uh, the social justice warriors amongst yeah. us. But, but no, I, I never wanted that look. I always thought the look was stupid and uh, have made fun of that consistently for about 20 years. Interesting. Pipe, do you think every affluent, like Christian white person goes through that phase at some time or another? Like, oh, I suck because I'm, um, I'm judging, judging by last week's conversation about Carl Lentz and uh, the, <laughs> Maybe the, not. The, the, the abundance of massive, wealthy mega churches, I'm going to say no. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people who are like, nah, man, I like my BMW. I'm good. Yeah, you're right, man. Let me, let me cut right. you a check and then get off my porch. You smell bad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Pipe, I'm going to throw another one at you, okay? Um, which is worse, think pieces or responses to think pieces? And before you launch into this, I, wanna, I, want, I want you to do a little defining for us. So tell us in your, in your own words, what, what defines a think piece? Okay, so think piece could also be called a hot take. You know, it's okay. the, it is the, the response usually lengthier than it ought to be and far less thought out. Sure. than it ought to be with a distinct angle, usually trying to uh, create additional controversy or it's sort of a well actually take. So an event happens, people are like, well, actually you should think about it this way. Right. Or in our camp, it's the how Christians should think about X, mm-hmm. usually seven points and seven, you know, 17,000 words. And, uh, and so that's, that is the, that is the think piece. It's the, it's the perspective that's trying to be new that is kind of like, well, it's either stupid or it's like, well, yeah, of course. Pipe, do you think at some level our disdain for the think piece is rooted in the idea that someone's sitting there going, the world really needs my 15,000 words on this topic? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think it's the piece itself that even like I take umbrage with, but I'm just sort of in awe of, I'm in awe of the attitude that, that says yes. the world needs this. You know, the world is not yeah. going to be complete without my 15,000 words on, um, 
you know, players kneeling in the NFL or whatever. You know what I'm saying? They're the, they're the missing piece in someone's intellectual puzzle. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, well, it's, it's and the same I, way that I'm I'll in also awe say there's like people who want to climb Mount Everest. You know, like, like God bless yeah. you, man. Go for it. But – well, see that one I look at and I'm like, I don't get it. Like it, it you know, the sort of, the sort of thrill seekers. I'm like, I, I don't get it. Yeah. This one is different because there's a sense of like, no, this is my playground. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you just charged into the middle of my playground where I was having a good time and started screaming that everybody needed to play your game, mm. you know? And, and so there's, there's also a little bit of jealousy here because as somebody who, who writes and puts things on the internet, the hot takers are the ones who are like, they're constantly cutting to the front of the line. And you're like, hey, man, I'm trying to say something here that, I, it, no, it's it's not nearly as, as uh, you know, cantankerous and pointed as yours, but it might be helpful to somebody, but nobody's going to hear it over the how Christians should think about X mm-hmm. take. So there's, there's a little bit of sort of uh, territorial jealousy there, at least for yeah. me. There's, again, there's me being vulnerable. No, I get that, man. I get that. I appreciate the vulnerability. Um yeah, man. I think for me, what's worse is always responses to think pieces because I can read stuff on like TGC and feel okay about it. But then when I hop into the comments section, I always like wish I was dead. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> that's like, the <laughs> or you wish it, that's the end of the, the world team. to me. Like the guy who writes, yeah. 7,000 words in response to the article and he, he does it in the comments section. Yes. Hell, hell, hell is a Christian comment section. Oh my gosh, dude. Oh, like, and I just, I hate myself for looking and I, and I hate the guy for doing that. And like, nobody wins, you know, nobody wins in that scenario at all. Yeah. I, I agree that the response is worse for a couple reasons. One is that if it's a terrible take in the first place, mm-hmm. let it die a quick and natural death. And every response to it breathes life into that crap. That's true. Like, it, it's like, hey, did you see this terrible take? It's, it's like one of those things where somebody opens their gym bag and they're like, oh, this thing stinks. <laughs> Here, smell it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Like, it stinks. Why would I want to smell it? It's that, that's, the, that, that's the response. And uh, yeah, and, and then it just it, – it's the – there's also like if if your starting point is a terrible take and you're responding to it, you, you can't have a good take. Mm. Like the best take is that's dumb. Yeah, like just that, just that it's dumb. And then the last thing is sort of the the principle from all things sports. So if there's a late hit in a football game and the ref doesn't see it, you know what they will see? The guy who hits the guy who did the late hit. Exactly. So it's it's, it's the it's the guy who responds who always gets the technical foul, gets the 15-yard penalty, gets thrown out of the game, whatever it is. Yeah. So you you are that idiot if you respond to a think piece. <laughs> That's true. And again, apologies for the sports talk. Okay, truly, I feel very convicted about that. Um, so if, if people didn't sort of get that analogy that you were trying to draw, let, let me just say we're about to move on from sports. And Pipe, I want to give you one more what's worse. All right. CM. So contemporary Christian music or TV preachers, CCM or TV preachers. I mean, qualitatively, I don't even know how to answer this question because they're both just Mm. like this. It's the kind of thing where if if you were given three seconds to listen to one or see the other, you go, oh, that's I know what that is. Like they're their own thing. It's a little bit like a soap opera. You know, there's just whatever that lighting and the camera angle is three seconks. And you're like, oh, I know exactly what that is. I can pick that one up. 
It's like qualitatively, they're just like, you can't even compare them to something else. Um, But I think I'm going to go with CCM because I think it's more sort of pervasive and insidious. Um, Mm. You know, TV preachers are scam artists who prey on the weak and the foolish. CCM preys on like a soccer mom with a master's degree. And it suckers people in like it people's theology gets bad or or it feeds into bad theology like people use it as it, it it's it's medicinal so they're like I'm having a bad day I'm going to turn on the local CCM station and it's it, which offers no actual substance and it's just uh so I I'm going to go with it for being for being insidious and also being just widespread like it's I mean, living yeah. in living in the Bible Belt, there's like nine Christian music stations. And again, if I'm flipping stations in the car, give me three seconds, and I'm like Christian station, Christian station, Christian station. Dude, that's true. There's something about like the pace and the tone of the music. You just know, yeah. like you know, after like a half a second, uh, what you're listening. And to. I think it, I think it also I think it also ruins people's taste in music too. Mm. And and I don't want to get elitist and snotty and start you know. It, well, not that I'm opposed to that, but I don't want yeah. to do that right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think if if people begin to tap into that kind of music and they're like, this is my favorite, you're like, that's a little bit like saying a McDonald's cheeseburger is your favorite food. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm going to choose CCM as well, Pipe, because of people rapping who shouldn't have ever tried to rap. Um, and I think I'm, I'm thinking specifically of Carmen from the 80s in like a puffy purple jacket <laughs> phase in which yes. in which he tried to rap and also DC talk from the 90s in which every like rap video trope like the the blacktop you know basketball court in the city surrounded by a chain link fence like they yeah, high, high top fades what do they wear like pony basketball shoes pony basketball shoes and gold chains like they included all these things in their videos but yet it didn't it didn't make it a rap video you know what I mean? It was a it was a fascinating deal. Um, so I'm going CCM as well. But before we uh, before we close out of the show today, pipe, um, we we could go a little more earnest again if we want or or not. Um, but the last topic is what are you thankful for? We've got Thanksgiving okay. coming up. This app's yeah. going to drop probably Thanksgiving week. So that's right. What are you thankful for? So after complaining for 30 minutes, we should say something positive. <laughs> exactly. Um. Exactly. Well, let me think. I'm trying to decide exactly how sincere to be and how earnest to be and how, yeah. you know, and what, what to pick otherwise. Yeah. Dude, I'll um, warn you that I'm going to go earnest for at least one of mine. All right. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, okay. Well, on my non-earnest one right now, as we speak, I'm thankful for Case Keenum, which is a phrase Ooh. I never thought I would yes. utter in my life because yes. he has been the butt of jokes for me. So Case Keenum, again, sorry, listeners, sports fandom. We'll make mm. this quick. He is the, he was the backup quarterback for the Vikings to begin this year. Yeah. Um, and backup quarterbacks notoriously are backups for a reason, but since filling in for the all always injured Sam Bradford, <laughs> who I was not confident would make it through the season healthy has led the Vikings to a seven and two record or eight and two. Now, I guess I can't remember what the record is not right now. Two losses, lots of wins and has looked pretty good in the process. So I'm thankful for case Keenum because he has made this Viking season 
so much more enjoyable than it could have been with an injured starting quarterback. So that's my that's my non Ernest. Dude, one. he's been sensational. Threw for like 350 yards yesterday against the Redskins. Yeah, four, he's been great. Four, four touchdowns on the road. Yeah, he looked great. So there's my non-earnest one, Ted, to yeah. you. So, okay, so my I'm going to go earnest first because today is my lady's birthday. So, KK, if you're listening, happy birthday. Um, I'm thankful for my lady. We've been married 20 years. Um, she's put up with a lot of crap from me. And, um, yeah, including weekly recordings of this podcast. Including weekly recordings of this podcast. In, in pipe, I have to tell you, she listens to every podcast because she wants to. Like, I, I know that she wouldn't unless she liked it because full disclosure, she hasn't read all my books. Like there have been books that I've written about various sports things, especially where she like, I'm not have. offended. She just hasn't read them, but uh, she listens to every episode religiously, loves the program. And uh, I'm very thankful for, uh, for KK, for my lady. She shares a birthday with my daughter because I have a, I have my, my older daughter turns 12 today and uh, also thankful for her because I, 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 I use my kids often as examples in this, often in a way that, that pokes fun at them for the way that kids are kind of dumb. But she's a pretty remarkable young lady who mm-hmm. is 12, which is a, a crazy age because it's this weird transition from being like just a cute little child to an adolescent growing into adulthood. Yeah. But she's pretty awesome. And so happy birthday to her as well. And I'm thankful for her and my other daughter, but I'll highlight the one with the birthday today. Nice, nice, man. Yeah, 12 is wild. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a wild ride for sure. So, Pipe, we have, uh, we have done what we always do in this program in, in which we've wandered to and fro. And uh, we missed Big R, and we, we wish him good health, and we want him uh, to, be, to be back here on the program. But more importantly, we want him to be back on the road so that um, – you know, cities in the he those Hyatt points. Yeah. He's got to use those Hyatt points. And I mean, these C list reformed conferences in Rust Belt cities aren't just going to staff themselves. So, Ronnie, Louisville misses you. Louisville misses you. Ronnie, this is for you, baby, if you're listening. I know he doesn't listen to the show or even think about the show. He's very clear about that, about how disaffected he is about the program. But uh, if you're listening, baby, this is for you. Also, I want to give uh, a quick shout out pipe to my good friend, Johnny Folks. Johnny Folks goes to church with me at Cornerstone Community Church in Jackson, and he broke his fibula and tibia playing basketball, pickup basketball the other day. Uh, he's a huge, huge fan of the program, loves our show, always like comments on Twitter and, and likes our stuff. So, uh, Johnny, if you're listening, man, we, uh, we wish you a speedy recovery as well. And uh, that sounds like a really painful injury. Dude, it looks super painful. He's in this like hip to ankle leg oh. brace that just looks miserable but uh he's a great dude well soon john yeah great dude never complains good basketball player too man kind of a an undersized but very athletic guard who would just uh go, go to the basket with reckless abandon so uh johnny get well we want to see you back on the courts and uh until next time rachel beheld evans the happy rant is brought to you by resonate recordings If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast.
Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus, so ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.